Welcome to Growth Hack by Poppy Digital. Tips and tricks to master the algorithms from industry insiders. Now here's your host, Julian Espinoza. Welcome back to Growth Hack, where we break down marketing channels like Google, Facebook, Instagram, and show them how to make them work for you. Do you optimize your website to produce better conversions? Do you attempt to make calculated decisions based on the data you see in analytics? Are you using growth hacks and are they working? If after these questions, you're still left with a question mark hovering over your head, there's no need to worry. This episode will get you the answers you need. Analytics beast Bree Anderson drops to give you the 411 on how to stop treating analytics as the necessary evil and use it like the business weapon it can be. Welcome, Bree. Hey, it's so good to be here. I'm stoked. I'm very excited to have you here, and we luckily only had to reschedule once. Only once. Impressive, right? It is impressive. Usually it's about two to three. Um, rarely do we get ones that people don't uh, you know, reschedule. So you, you are in the top of the pack. Sweet. An overachiever for sure. <laughs> exactly. All right. So let's get straight into it. So in the world of marketing, there's so much data. There's so much information out there. It can kind of be overwhelming. And you've, you have a very interesting approach to all of this. And one of the first questions I wanted to ask you is, what data are we not collecting that we should be? Every time I answer this question, I kind of feel like I should just start tearing up because the one thing that people need to be tracking is like the conversion, whatever that end goal is. And most people never set it up. And it's awful because how do you know if something's working if you're not tracking the end goal, right? So like e-commerce, you need to be tracking if people are ordering or like adding things to cart or anything within that ordering process. If you are working for like like trying to get lead forms filled out or anything of that lead gen type nature and you're not tracking form submissions or emails coming through your website or people clicking on your phone calls, then you can't make educated decisions. But so many people skip that step. And I think it's because, you know, it does take an extra bit of effort. Whereas, you know, you can just throw Google Analytics up or you can just start tracking um, your Facebook analytics and not have to set up the goal, right? So you're, you're getting all these sort of what we tend to call like vanity metrics, but um, a lot of people just don't track the goals. And that's really a true bummer. It, it is a bummer because when we I log into clients' accounts for the very first time, you pop in there and you're like, oh, We've been collecting data for four years and we haven't gotten any add to carts, any, uh, you know, purchases, uh, leads. And, and it is depressing because there's so much data that could have been useful. So it is very interesting that, that you do see that um, out there. And, and I hope uh, people on our show are a little more sophisticated than that and they are tracking that stuff. So um Keep in mind, guys, go into your analytics and track that stuff. So let's go Let's go this for another approach. From the top down, what are all the data points we should be considering? So I always take it from a, you know, begin with the end in mind kind of mindset. So I always say, all right, if our main objective is to get sales, right? So let's just go with e-com because it's the easiest and probably most complex but also most complex. Um, it's easiest because we all know the process. So with e-commerce, we know that there are multiple steps that you're going to take in order to um, 
but or before you make an order, right? So we start with, obviously we need to track the conversion and the value of that conversion, but we also want to look at, are people starting the checkout process? Are they inputting their credit card number? Um, are they adding things to their cart? Are they viewing specific items? Are they looking at our promotions page, right? All of those things that are part of the user journey, we also need to be making sure that we're tracking data on. So um, obviously, you know, you want to look at it at a user level, but also just from traffic as well. That's something that's really interesting about Google Analytics 4, um, just as a little bit of a segue, is they do differentiate users from traffic. Um, so like a user journey, a singular user might look at a promotions page, but when we look at traffic as a whole, maybe most traffic doesn't look at your promotions page, right? So, um, but I always do that kind of like begin with the end in mind and work backwards and make sure that you're really able to understand the user journey by tracking those, what we would consider um, micro conversions along the way. So let's talk about uh, this journey here for a second. So let's let's pretend it is e-commerce to your point. It is the easiest to understand, but also the most complex. So the first thing is someone lands on the website. So that's a page visit, right? What comes after a page visit that you want to be look, considering? So we need to be able to track where do they go from that page, right? If they're interacting with the page, obviously, you know, you want to see, are they scrolling? Um, again, Google Analytics for that's something that you can track automatically. You can also use um, custom events if you'd like to, um, or just another analytics platform. But obviously, you know, you want to see what they scroll because you want to see what, or you want to have a good idea of what they've seen, right? And then also, where do they go next? So do they scroll to the middle of the page and then click over to the promotions page? Um, so once they land on the website, what did they see? Where do they go next? And then you're kind of honestly, just repeating that process until they've made a purchase. What do they see? Where do they go next? What have they interacted with? Um, you know, if we want to get real nitty gritty, I love using something like a lucky orange or a hot jar or crazy egg, whatever people want to use, um, to actually watch that process happen because it's really interesting to see like where people scroll to, where they pause, what they hover over and what they're clicking on. Now, I didn't prepare you for this question, but what is something that you've seen in studying like a crazy egg, uh, a hot jar when you're studying this and you discover, okay, something's happening here and how did you apply learnings to that and what did you do on the actual website to maybe modify or potentially in this probable case improve the user experience? A hundred percent of the time we find something that people, okay, that's an exaggeration. A lot of the time we find something that people are clicking on that isn't actually a button. Um, so whether that's like the, you know, sometimes it's like the title of a page, which I've always found really interesting. Um, maybe it's like a picture that they want to expand because we're, we are really used to pictures expanding when we click on them. Um, sometimes it's um, maybe like a, I don't know, something that looks like it should be a button. Uh, and our instinct is to press it. Um, and for whatever reason, it's not linked to anything. So it's not clickable. But a lot of times when you're finding that, sometimes we also, um, something that I've seen is like when people work through forms, 
um, the way some things auto-populate and other things don't, making that change to go, okay, we either need to have everything auto-populate or make sure that something doesn't, um, you know, taking people directly to the part of the form that they didn't fill out correctly, things of those nature or that nature. Um, but yeah, it's usually, we see a bunch of people clicking somewhere that, that isn't clickable. And what is the solution? Is it to make something clickable? Is it to make it not look like a button? What is usually the solution in that? Um, generally speaking, I have them link it to something. Um, or if it's the case of a picture, we, we make it bigger. Um, but most of the time it is as opposed to changing the design, because at the end of the day, a click is an interaction. It's a vote for doing business with you, um, because they want to take another step. So instead of, you know, saying, Oh, no, we don't want that. I, encourage people to lean into that and go, okay, they want to take this step with you. How do we get them to that next step? It's very interesting because um, we've done a, a lot of studies around user behaviors ourselves, looking at our clients' pages. And sometimes I've always found it sort of difficult to take actionable uh, actions on it. Like yeah. how do you, how do you, how do you, okay, so there, there's this weird behavior that's happening. How do you fix it? So it is very interesting to hear um, some of that feedback. Um, when it comes to, to data in, in, in this marketing, what, what's typically overlooked? I would say the, one of the biggest things that gets overlooked is assisted conversions um, or, or like comparing attribution models, right? So um, Google Analytics by default uh, and, and most platforms by default are looking at that last click conversion, right? So, um, you know, they came from Facebook, they bought. Well, before they went to Facebook, they may have had an interaction with your brand. And that's just as important to understand. Um, so a great example of this is I had a client, they had 20 some odd YouTube videos, which, you know, they've put tons of time into and effort into. And the last click conversion for that, I mean, they had made like maybe 900 bucks, which is definitely, there's no return on the investment there. It costs a lot more than $900 to make 22 good YouTube videos. And uh, so, you know, when you look at that instinctively, you go, we, we cannot keep putting this much money into YouTube. Well, if you change the attribution model and I look at, or I just looked at assisted conversions, I mean, because Google will tell you that in Google Analytics, you go to assisted conversions and I found $10,500 attributed in assisted conversions to YouTube. And so then we have to take that step back and go, okay, well, this is working. It may not be the last stop, but it is a stop that they're taking before they come to our website and buy, um, which makes sense, right? I mean, it, it is a search engine. Um, and it is social in nature, which means we're building trust there. Uh, and, and there's likely going to be another step or two, uh, especially because the, the product was a little bit pricey. So, but, but if, if we hadn't looked at that assisted conversion, we would have pulled YouTube and then there's no telling if we would have made that $10,500. So is this assisted conversion, is this a, a form of attribution? Um, assisted conversion, it just shows you the top conversion paths. So it will show you all of the steps, right? So it'll be like um, organic, social purchase, or they went to direct, they came to the website twice directly and then converted. Um, the The attributions is, is you can actually look at, um, you know, last click versus 
uh, linear attribution, which is just like everything is attributed the same amount. Um, and usually that's used when like you want to see how much revenue specifically is being attributed to each channel or source or medium. Um, so you can say like if it's a linear attribution, then if there's four stops, everybody gets 25% of the revenue. Um, whereas last click or direct, you're looking at this one source gets 100% of the re revenue attributed to it. Does that make sense? It does. Does uh, GA, uh, GA4 have this feature? Or is that right in the regular analytics right now? So um, when I see it in my head, I'm looking at the Universal Analytics platform. Uh, Google Analytics 4 does have a way to change like how you're viewing attribution, It's but it's not near as um, easy, I would say, as it would be in universal analytics i'm sure you can get to it using explorations and that's one of those things that you set up once and can look at forever but universal analytics makes it super easy going back to one of the questions i had which was um what 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 other examples have you said i think that was really a really interesting perspective about a button right people think that things are buttons and they're not and then making them buttons increases that that user experience what are some other examples of data that you've collected and then the decisions you've made it made based on that data um so the youtube one is always is always a big one as well something um this this one's always a fun story for me because i have no idea how i like thought of it but so i was working with a client and they had this really long form that like populated as you started to fill out the form right and the the target audience was older men like 60 plus men right and for some reason people would get to that page and they just wouldn't fill the form out all the way and end up paying so therefore they never bought the product and it was really really frustrating we couldn't figure out what was going on using something like hotjar i could see that you know they would start to fill it out and then they just would abandon it so we tried like okay what if we put the entire form on the page you know um, or what if we like split it up? Well, when we were doing that testing, cause we were just AB testing, like, do we put the entire form on one page? Do we, um, split up the like different pages for each part of the form? I decided, well, I'm just going to go look at what's ranking above us and see what they're doing. And all of them had the exact same form layout. Um, so in that case, I was just gathering data through competitive research. Um, but not like quantitative data, very much qualitative data, right? Um, and so we just copied that form and we increased our conversions um, because it was a form that they were used to, right? And, and had been proven to work. Um, but yeah, I have no idea what made me think to do that, but I'm really glad uh, it did because we didn't even have to finish the A-B test. We were able to find something that already worked for us. I love when that happens. You're you're not thinking about something. You're not thinking about the solution, and somehow a solution pops up. You try it, and it works. And it's just like, well, that worked great. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you know, that's not first party data. Like that's not so, any any data that we collected. But that's what's so interesting about data is that it's not just the things that we collect, right? Like social listening allows you to collect data. Um, 
you know, competitive research is still data. All of that um, are, are, are definitely things that you need to be looking at when we talk about using data to drive strategy. So you got this ebook. Can you tell us about this ebook? Yeah. So it's called The Beast's Guide to um, Data-Driven Marketing. Um, and it, it goes over these three core um, buckets that we use. So we do a lot of audits for clients. They come in, they say, hey, we're experiencing this and we don't know why. And then we just go in to all these numbers and say, hey, this is why. Um, but so generally speaking, a tactic can be put into one of three buckets. It's either something that we need to stop doing because we're not, re the return on investment just isn't there. Like no matter how we're looking at it, last click conversions, linear conversions, it, it, any sort of attribution model, we're not getting enough return on investment. So it's something that needs to be put on the back burner and we need to stop doing it. Um, then there are things that we need to scale. So they we're doing them already and they're working really well. Like we already have a strategy for it. It's working well. How do we get more out of that strategy? Um, and then the last thing is things that we need to start. Where are we making money that we haven't really like put a ton of effort into or created a strategy around? So that book talks about those um, three things, the stop, start, and scale, and also how you can track the data that's going to allow you to determine whether a, a, a tactic or a strategy needs to be stopped, started, or scaled. Amazing. Well, Bree, thank you so much for coming on the show. We'll have a link to this ebook in the show notes. Please check it out. It sounds wonderful. I can't wait to get my copy. And again, thank you for coming on the show. We'll have you back soon. Thanks so much for having me.